0: Pentecost Sunday 2020, the first Pentecost Sunday we've spent during lockdown. (laughs) I'm not not saying we're going to be here in another year, but let's make full use of what is available to us now because the Holy Spirit has come 2000 years ago. God opened the window of heaven, poured out the Holy Spirit, and that was a definitive moment, a defining moment, a dividing moment. A dividing moment moment between Old Testament and New Testament, the new manifestation of the Spirit, God's presence on this earth, particularly as sent from the Father as his promise through the Son into the hearts of believers. So it's a very special day. Uh, And I'm going to go to uh, Acts chapter 2, I know earlier I said I wasn't going to do that because it's what we normally turn to uh, on Pentecost Sunday. And last year I remember speaking on the passage and I was emphasising something slightly different. And this time I'm coming at it in a way that is much more personal, much more direct, as a pattern, as a template, as a preparation for what God wants to do in your life personally and in our lives as a community and, dare I say, if, if the prophetic juices are flowing, it's what that God has something by way of a, Pente, a new Pentecostal manifestation for us in KT, London City Church. So let me read Acts chapter 2, first 13 verses. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came... Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And they were all amazed and perplexed saying to one another, what does this mean? But others, mocking, said, (laughs) they are filled with new wine. The Holy Spirit comes into our lives as a result of a divine cause and produces within our lives divine effects. The Holy Spirit causes and effects. Now the passage I read is I believe of course it's a historical record of what actually took place but more than that it's a prophetic pattern that is set for how the holy spirit works in every generation in every situation all throughout history a prophetic pattern here there's preparation there's prayer and there is unity and all these principles are the principles that operate in The moving of the Holy Spirit. Also, it's a prayer line. We have been taking these verses and virtually the very same points that I'm about to make in this message. We've been praying through them as a prayer line directing us to prayer. Do you know that the Bible is not only the word of God, it is also your prayer book. And God will give us a verse of scripture, a passage of scripture to pray through. through. There will be a particular application to us from that passage and a particular prophetic interpretation. And I believe that we're going to see a fulfillment of what is patterned here, predicted prophetically and also already historically fulfilled. So it says, verse one, when the day of Pentecost arrived other versions say when the day of Pentecost fully came in other words that was a moment of fulfillment it was that moment where God's promise came uh, came from promise to fulfillment and when that day arrived all this began to happen this tells us that there is a divine moment a divine moment in history which we call the day of Pentecost a divine moment which separates Old Testament from New Testament. It separates Old uh, Covenant way of working amongst God's people with the New Covenant way of working amongst God's people, the church, Israel in the Old Testament, the church in the New Testament. It speaks about a long time of preparation. It was prefigured in the Old Testament this day. It was prophesied, anticipated, and finally it arrives. And we know even on the day of Pentecost, which followed the resurrection and ascension of Jesus, there had come preparation by Jesus himself in going all the way to the cross and coming to his disciples and saying, I'm I'm going to go away, but it is good for you that I go away because if I go away, the Holy Spirit will come. And we know that on the day of Pentecost, Jesus, exalted to the Father's right hand, poured out this gift, the promise of the Father. So the day of Pentecost, now that was a day, as I've just said, past, completed, historically done, dusted, finished, over, definitive, all right? However, the effects are still coming to us today. What happened on the day of Pentecost sets off a series of effects that we are experiencing today. It's rather like this. I'll do this. I won't do the demonstration completely, but I have a glass of water here. And uh, if I was to pour out this glass of water uh, onto the floor, not only would I make a mess and I'd have to explain why to Amanda in a moment I did that so I won't do it but uh, you could imagine when you start to pour it will come over the edge and it will keep on pouring out until the whole glass is empty and then it will stop pouring now when we talk about the Holy Spirit he is infinite There is no end to him. There is no limit to him. He is measureless. So when God poured him out on the day of Pentecost, it was once an act accomplished and fulfilled, but also an ongoing experience. That's why God invites us in the scripture to keep on being filled with the spirit of God. And I remember uh, many years ago when I first encountered the Holy Spirit in what we, I think, quite rightly call the baptism of the Spirit. Jesus takes us and immerses us into the Spirit. As believers, we receive the promised gift of God. We receive the Holy Spirit. We are immersed into Holy Spirit. uh, uh, And that happened, in my experience, many years ago. But there is an ongoing experience. It's rather like a sponge. We are immersed into Holy Spirit. And then we can say we are in the spirit. But then, like a sponge, we receive of the Holy Spirit. It's only a physical metaphor. It's just a metaphor. But to show that as well as being baptized in the Holy Spirit, we receive the Holy Spirit. We are in the spirit and the spirit is in us. And that process of inviting more and more of the Spirit's influence in your life should be a lifelong process. There will be moments of sensing being filled with the Spirit, and there will be tremendous peaks of experience. But also, every day, moment by moment, we are walking in the Spirit, surrendering our life to the Holy Spirit so that we can be uh, uh, full of the Spirit. And I believe that God is showing us, prophetically, that there is a new day of Pentecost coming for us. I don't mean that's the repetition of that day. I've shown you it's not a repetition. But but there's a moment where we can look back and say, God has given us a new, fresh move of the Holy Spirit. He poured out his Spirit upon Kensington Temple in a new way and in a fresh way. And I want you to be around for that. Who knows, it might even be today. Amen and amen. But there are certain conditions uh, which follow this pattern of the Spirit's coming. It says they were all together in one place. This is about unity. They were gathered together, gathered in unity of heart and purpose, gathered in expectation, gathered waiting for the promised fulfillment. They were also gathered in the same place physically. And that's very, very important. Now, uh, we know That we can't be in the same place physically right now, but we are in a Zoom room. (laughs) We are in a Zoom space. We we are in virtual space. And uh, virtual space is real because we are really there. You know, it's just not physical. All right. Just because it's not physical doesn't make it real. So we're having a virtual church service. Actually, it's a real church service today. And we are gathering. We're gathering in cyberspace. We're gathering in Zoom. But, but more important, even than the geographical place, it is the spiritual place that we're gathering. We're gathering in a spiritual place. And God wants us to bring ourselves together to come to the same place that so we might be in the same place spiritually, expecting, hoping, and committed to the same thing. Now, the next thing we find is this word suddenly. There came a sound as of a mighty rushing wind. The word suddenly excites me because it speaks of spontaneity. I don't mean you and I being spontaneous. I love spontaneity. But this is divine spontaneity. And it reminds us that the cause of the coming of the Spirit of God has nothing to do with us. We don't cause him to come. We don't bring him. We don't make it happen. We can't tell when it is going to happen. We can't determine it. It all comes from God. The Spirit of God is sovereign because he flows from a sovereign father and from a sovereign Lord whose name is Jesus. And this suddenly spontaneity about it. Divine spontaneity is the hallmark of the Holy Spirit. He will come and show up when you're least expecting him. doesn't mean to say that you you don't expect him. And and we are expecting him, but even when we're expecting him, he comes up and surprises us. And he surprises us in lots of ways. He surprises us in the timing. It is ultimately unpredictable. We, We don't determine it. It's indetermined, unpredicted. God does it, and that's fantastic. When 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 we see the Holy Spirit is the free spirit, that's wonderful. But also, uh, it, when He comes, He does something different. Now, on this day, there were certain things which were repeated. There was the coming of the Spirit, the manifestation of the Spirit prayer, uh, speaking in tongues, prophecies, all these kind of things are, are, f- are frequently come with the Spirit shows, but there are other things that were not always repeated, like this sound of a, of a mighty rushing wind, and that sound filled the place, not just the sense of the wind, but the sound filled the place. There was a physical manifestation, or, or they experienced it as a physical manifestation. Now that hasn't Hasn't, isn't repeated every time the Spirit moves, but something special happens, and and very often uh, the manifestations are uh, that accompany a move of God very very unique to that move. Uh, we we know way back in in the days of the Wesleyan revival, people were thunderstruck. Uh, the conviction of the Spirit came upon people to the point, sometimes they'd spent hours, or if I'm not mistaken, even days, under the conviction of the Spirit of God. Uh, they said, it, it Wesley said, they were thunderstruck, struck by God, fallen to the ground, out there in the in Newmarket Plains and different places in, in, in the UK. And in recent times, the Pentecostal experience has been a lot of things such as, you know, shaking the, where do you think the holy roll has come from? I mean, you know, shaking, rattling and rolling, it sounds bizarre, but these are the physical effects of the Holy Spirit. And if God wants to choose physical effects, then he can do whatever he wants to do, however he wants to do it, whenever and through ever. So God, once again, is sovereign. And we know that this move, it may not be the laughing, it may not be the shaking, it may not be falling to the ground, it may not be any of those things, it may be entirely new things which are different, but something is going to show us that God is on the move. Let's watch out for it. I believe one or two of these things are. One of them is going to be uh, extraordinary visitations of angels and miracles which will take place uh, from the hands of the disciples of Jesus, not just the special leaders of the church, but many, many things will happen. And there'll be other things accompanying. Who would have thought that maybe this move has been birthed in lockdown? I mean, that would be a first. The prophetic words that we were receiving, God said, I'm doing something, you won't be able to anticipate it, you won't even really be able to prepare for it, and it will be quite unlike anything that has ever happened before. Well, there's a lot of boxes there that we can tick. So suddenly, praise God, God is on the move. And it says it it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Now, I wonder where you imagine this to be, the upper room? is clear Uh, that's what the scripture says but as soon as they step out of the upper room we find that they're in the temple so this upper room was very close to the temple it might have even been incorporated into the temple structure the temple walls itself we don't exactly know but it's so close to the temple that we can say that this was God in the place where he dwelt All those years, right the way since Solomon's temple was built, God's presence was there. It had been removed, and we read about that in Ezekiel. The glory was departing, however... God has returned. He's returned to the temple. He's returned to his temple, but this time the temple is not so much the building. In fact, it's not the building made with hands. The temple is the people of God. You and I are the temples of the Holy Spirit. God takes up residence in our hearts. And Jesus said, he, the Spirit, lives with you and he shall dwell in you. And so they filled the whole house. Now, Uh, where they they were sitting. Now, this house is also the idea of a household. Uh, So when it says uh, they they filled the whole house, it was talking about the community. And we know that this community, 120 people, was the size where you could begin uh, a synagogue and have a fresh fellowship, a Jewish fellowship. Um, And we know also when it says when they, they were together, Uh, In one place, the word together is not just they were sitting side by side, they were in physical proximity. It meant that they were in community relationship. They were in a formal relationship, a community. They knew who they were, what their history was, what their purpose was, what their values were. They They were connected together. And this is what Christianity is about. It's being connected in Christian communities. We can't say one community engulfs the whole world. That manifestation of the church is yet to be revealed, but we are in local pockets and communities of people gathered, not just like, I'm I'm choosing to be here or choosing to be there, actually, it is God who places you in covenant community relationship, and this is so necessary that we walk in covenant, that we walk in community, that we walk in unity, and therefore we can all experience corporately what God wants us to experience, both corporately, of course individually, but the corporate element, the corporate dimension is what is so important today and it says they were all filled with the Spirit no exceptions no exceptions and it says they all spoke with tongues well it implies that they all spoke but it says they were all filled with the Spirit and spoke with tongues uh, uh, and so this is a gift a very special gift that was poured out on the church on that day for a special reason The coming of the spirit always produces prophetic manifestations and that's a clear theological link between the presence of the spirit and prophetic speech. Tongues is a form of prophetic speech but it's a language, a new language, a language that the speaker has not learned or understood. And this manifestation was so new and God was obviously wanting to draw attention uh, to this because everybody gathered around could hear the people praising God in their own dialects. Uh, and, and this is an extraordinary manifestation, all happening, all at once. It was like a holy, holy hurricane, I think, a holy devastation, the effects uh, of the Spirit moving in this place. It was full of joy. Uh, maybe that's what the Apostle Paul later on was referring to when he said in, in uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, don't be drunk with wine. Uh, we're, we're in his excess, and, uh, and here we know that some people were mocking and saying, hey, this is not, it. they're just drunk, and Peter had to say, no, the pubs aren't open yet. So this is, this is one of the ways the Holy Spirit works and operates, just takes over completely and brings great joy and fullness and great blessing, uh, and some people can even be accused of drunk being drunk. Remember that in the great Toronto outpouring of the Spirit a number of years ago, this, the, these things were commonplace uh, and some of us were, were so overcome by the Holy Spirit we, we couldn't preach. We could just just glory, give God glory. Can you imagine how wonderful that is? For, and when, when the preaching is done, the Spirit comes, and if the Spirit comes, then maybe we should just enjoy His presence. And so all of this was stirring, all of this was happening, the cause and the effects of the Holy Spirit. It is holy uproar and it's all for this purpose. Peter himself stands up and he is full of the Spirit of God. And he spoke, and the words he spoke signify that he was under the special inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And now this is the first uh, official New Testament church sermon. And he preaches. He preaches from the manifestation to the hearts of the people. And this is why we're looking for this as a pattern. God wants to visit us afresh, God wants to fill you afresh. He wants to stir up your heart. He wants to give you new gifts. God wants to come and visit the house, Kensington Temple, the Oikos, Kensington Temple, London City Church. God wants to manifest Himself with fresh signs and wonders and manifestations of his glory in whatever way he chooses it to happen. And God wants now our to stand up full of the Holy Spirit and proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord. This is going to be a move of God in which proclamation is front and central in all the ways that we proclaim. Yes, with our daily lives. Yes, with our good deeds, hardly self-conscious that they're good deeds, just doing Deeds of love because we're so full of love. Speaking words of truth. No compromise and truth. And so people who say to us, you know, you, you, you are bigoted. You say that there's only one way to God. You're bigoted. You say that Christian morality is the only form of morality. You say that Christian truth is the only truth by which all truth should be judged. And, and they say, you, you, you know, you're crazy. You're so arrogant. Let them say it. We will speak the truth. We will speak the truth in love. Because imagine, friends, if this is true, then it puts a question mark over all of our lives. What are we going to do with the Jesus who died on the cross for our sins? What are we going to do with the Jesus who is not dead but is raised from the dead and is right now, seated at the right hand of the Father? What are we going to do with this experience of the Holy Spirit which demonstrates to us that Jesus is alive? You know, one of the most wonderful things about the coming of the Spirit is that he brings an assurance deep into our lives that all this is real. I mean, the Holy Spirit, I was going to say, makes it real. No, he doesn't make it real. It is real. When the Holy Spirit gets a hold of your life, it it manifests the reality, the real reality, the reality that Jesus Christ is alive and he is living in our hearts. Amen and amen.